Listen to The Astonishing Junk Drawer exclusively at patreon.com slash astonishinglegends. I don't think people are taking time off work to hit this. <laughs> I, uh, you sent me some video of you dancing around the kitchen. It was amazing. <laughs> Music any white drunk college kid can dance to. I'll just stick with the AI stuff. That's yeah. Rowan said that, not me. My math teacher, like, she doesn't explain it that well well that's the hallucination right that's like ai hallucination we have lives too (laughs) mother shipton's cave rich adam is coming jim harold is coming i'm doing a lot of laughing is it Uh astonishing legends would like to thank squarespace our contributors at patreon.com and you our listeners for making tonight's show possible We've just returned from the very first Monster Fest. Put together by our friends at Small Town Monsters, the makers of dozens of documentary films about Bigfoot, Dogmen, Werewolves, The Mothman, various other cryptids and monsters, and the occasional UFO. It was held in Canton, one of Ohio's appropriately smallish towns, about an hour from Cleveland. We weren't sure what to expect when we boarded our planes to what we've long said is the strangest state in the nation. Still, it would not be an exaggeration to say that the entire experience was overwhelmingly fantastic, bizarre, and enlightening all at once. This was a fan-facing event for graphic artists, illustrators, authors, fellow podcasters, researchers, investigators, spirits, demons, and interdimensional beings. In short, it was a blast. We'll talk a little bit more about the event tonight, but aside from meeting so many of you in person, the other thing that we got to do was a live show. For this live show, we asked some of you to join us and share any stories you might have, and share them you did. Welcome back to Astonishing Legends. I'm Scott Philbrook, and this is Forrest Burgess. Please make my martini dirtier, Richard Haddam. Join us tonight for a very special edition of Astonishing Legends, recorded for the first time in the show's history in front of a live studio audience at MonsterFest 2023. And we're back from Ohio. That we are, folks, and what a whirlwind Ohio was. Man, it was a lot of fun. It certainly was indeed, and I want to apologize to anybody I talked to because I was delirious. I had been up all (laughs) night. (laughs) That's just my usual thing is I'm excited. Uh, I was very excited to attend this, and it was uh, I couldn't get to sleep anyway. Plus, I had an early Uber ride at 3.30 in the morning, but I was testing out gear, just pacing around. Again, I couldn't sleep anyway, so I, I showed up without uh, having slept. And I think I slept about five hours in two and a half days. So it was crazy. I was I had a little more rest than you, but I couldn't believe how many folks showed up. I was so touched yeah. by uh, so many fans. Wait, that came out wrong. I was so touched oh. by how many fans <laughs> did, I stood hope, in line to talk fans, to us. Okay. <laughs> no, we didn't. T- no, we, did, we did. Touch we hugged a lot, a lot of pictures. Folks. Yeah, it was. It was yeah, there was a lot of folks. There was families. All kinds came to say hello. It was great. Small Town Monsters uh, the premiered their new film on the yeah. Thursday nights on the trail of Bigfoot, Land of the Missing. It was amazing. It, it was. It's about Bigfoot in Alaska, and some of those stories there are kind of crazy. Yeah. It was chilling, and especially for me, one of my favorite subjects, the Big Black Pyramid. 
in Alaska. Just look that up, folks. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't heard of that, actually. I need to look it up. We got to see <laughs> old friends like Rich Haddam, Jim Harold, Micah Hanks, Shannon LeGrow, Lyle Blackburn, and Stan Gordon. But we also met some amazing new people like Cliff Berrickman, Jeremiah Byron from Bigfoot Society. Right, right. And uh, Matthew and Josh from the Farthest Reaches podcast. Uh, by the way, you guys know what you did. Oh, and the <laughs> folks from the podcast Spooks, Creeps, and Assorted Devilry. Check all those shows out. Good yeah, stuff. They want us on, so we'll have to make an appearance there. I also enjoyed meeting Danner Safer Spray oh, yes. from uh, Conjure Dust Designs. Yep. His car was actually totaled on the way to Monsterfest. Yeah. And he was only coming from like an hour away. So glad you survived that, Danner. That was legit life-threatening. He, he showed up anyway, oh, which yeah. is pretty awesome. Most importantly, our super crew, most of them Facebook group members and some of our mods from our Facebook group, uh, our friends Megan, Roger, Jill, and Bree. Uh, Megan was actually with us that day, all those years ago in the Sally House. That's right. Dave, Kaz, Jen, Tana, Don, Sandy, uh, everybody's amazing kids, like the fine young man, William. Please forgive us for anybody we left out. It was a whirlwind, and uh, again, I was I was delirious. <laughs> but we, we've missed some of you, of course, but everyone can't get to everything. You're all amazing, and we're going to hear from some of you tonight. Yeah, it was really heartwarming to see everyone and get to hang out. At first, I thought, this thing is is really only one day. It's so short. I mean, right, there was right. uh, Small Town Monsters, new movie, the night before, and then uh, one just one day for Monster Fest. But honestly, I think another day of it would have killed me. <laughs> I think it may have had. <laughs> I, I, I may have done. I'm still recovering. Okay, so a couple of things about tonight's show. Firstly, this was recorded live on tape, or I guess rather live to an SD card at Monster Fest. There were a ton of people packed into a bit too small of a room, but we're very appreciative. Everybody showed up and uh, and the turnout was amazing. Yes. But that room felt like being in a humidifier in a shower on the surface of the sun. <laughs> I was yeah. dewy. I was glowing. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody was laughing and interacting with us too. So so when you hear that in the segments of the show tonight, that's real, folks. That's that's no laugh track. These are actual <laughs> Monster Fest attendees who were there and and I guess fans of Astonishing Legends. And, and six of them even came up to share stories with us. So we'll have that coming up in a bit. In fact, listen to what happened just when I asked everyone to say hello. Say, everybody say hi. hi. <laughs> that is awesome. All righty, sir. Oh, yes. And by the way, we did want to give a shout out to Brandon Shexnader, who was pinch hitting on the edit for us on this show. Thank you so much, Brandon, for coming back into the fold. We we like having you on backup. Well, how do you want to do this? I think we're just going to play the recording and come back in when we have something to say about the story. Sound good? Sounds good. Let's do it. Welcome back to Astonishing Legends. I'm Scott Philbrook. <laughs> this is George Burgess. And then normally I would have a quote that Rich said at oh, one Yeah, we point. need a quote. Our very special guest, Richard Haddam. And the only thing that I can remember that we did use as a quote was Rich said, please make my martini dirtier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We are recording this live on tape at MonsterFest 2023, which we have been so grateful to be at, be invited to. It's been, I think, an unexpectedly huge success for Small Town Monsters. So I, I definitely want to give a shout out to uh, Seth Breedlove and his team and Courtney, his producer, and these folks here, everybody. Amazing. So we're grateful to have been invited, uh, especially to year one, because you can never do year one again. So that's kind of fun. I was saying last night when we were hanging out at the bar with a bunch of folks that if this keeps going, this will be the small year. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's really a lot of fun to be here. It's been great meeting so many of you. Thanks for coming up to our table and talking to us and telling us your stories. 
It's uh, nice. We haven't ha- had a single troll. The trolls, I guess, don't buy tickets to these things. I guess. <laughs> well, if they love to uh, perennially diss on it, yeah, then, yeah, yeah, because then you then it's a it's a hobby. Yeah, so that's you gotta, true. That's true. You got to really got to keep it up because it's. I'll give this brief anecdote. I was uh, at home uh, over the holidays with my dad, and uh, we love to watch home repair shows. Not that we do any of that. I do. <laughs> I, I do some fixer up stuff, and for some reason, he doesn't really care for Bob Vila. And we used to watch that show all the time. I don't know why. I think he just likes the newer one. So he, you know, he was just going on and complaining. And I said, "Well, Dad, you know the the other one, this old house is that's only a few channels away. Let's watch that." He's like, "No, no, no, that's fine." I, I, you know. He wanted to watch to be able to complain about Bob Beale. Yeah, so right. Was, and you yeah. were like, "I understand this. I, know, I, I, know I did get it. And it it all connects. And as I always say, uh, one of my biggest takeaways is that I've we've learned more about human nature than we ever have about the paranormal because <laughs> that is how, because the paranormal who cares about it if it there isn't a human experience attached with it and yeah. that is what rich's movie is about is that you can get all the weirdo mysterious calls over the phone and chapsticks and this and that and if richard gear didn't respond the way he is and have the the crisis of, uh, of faith and confidence What's the point? Well, you know, I was listening to a podcast. The guest was Avi Loeb. And uh, he was the... uh, His whole thing was, we've got to take people out of the equation. Yeah. And we can only use instruments to gather. And from a scientific viewpoint, that makes perfect sense. But we're still waiting for that. He was talking about it like within the next two years, he's going to be standing on top of a UFO saying, here it is, or at least pointing to something that has been recorded on some sort of device that will somehow convince all of you of something. I don't know how effective that is. I think it is always interesting and good to get as much scientific information as we can. But for him to say, I'm not interested in the stories that people tell, well, then you're leaving out the observer. Right. The only thing that could ever have an opinion or an experience or interpret any of this mm-hmm. is a human being. And so that's the other side. And I think it's well, great that we do those interviews. With you. Yeah. you guys do those interviews, but then... But then the other half is all of you guys and people who do yeah. have the experience. That's true. Well, but uh, to be fair about what Avi was saying, because I know you're right, because it's a little bit like, uh-oh, he's going on our show and saying people stink. So I don't. <laughs> but but by the same token, he's primarily dealing with deep space, well, interstellar. Yeah. You know what he's saying is, is like there's not a point to injecting assumptions about something that's so far away, all that really matters is the data you can get from it, which I agree with in, in that case. But right. I totally in agree terms, with you all. And in terms of science, and I also liked how he was saying that when people within mainstream science are refusing to accept new scientific theories, then that's a huge problem. Because yeah. then it's like, okay, well, uh, I can agree with well, that. Well, no, it's like you said, the guy's sorry, keep oh, cutting you off. Uh, well, I'm just going to, the last yeah. thing, and then oh, I'm going to let then you then go. One more. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be the last time. No, okay. it's going to be the last time. But Scott, no, don't wait, you but wait, think. no, but so anyway, I was just saying, it's, no. What I was no, I was just going to say I liked what Avi says about Galileo and the clerics. They refuse to look through the telescope. That's what I was saying. That's yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, Avi, his thing is, as I see, it's not remove people. It's remove personality and bias and confirmation bias because you have the data. And so that's, let's start there. That's the one thing we can trust. If we all agree, generally, a consensus on the numbers and against the sensor data, and we know the sensors are working, then we start there because otherwise, when you inject personality, then you have an image that goes out to the world of a giant space dookie. 
And that's what people think Oumuamua is, and that, that was a big takeaway from us. It's like, it doesn't look like that at all. Well, how did we get that impression? And that's what I asked him, and that's when he, he got a little salty. And not about, not to us, but the fact that that happens, and that's when you inject yeah. people and their prejudices, be it scientific or otherwise, and that's where you have the telescope, you have what the telescope is seeing, and then you have people who don't even want to look through it because they're afraid of what they are going to see. Right, and it was interesting because I think, I think he was almost saying that somebody needed artwork for a story that was going out and then just very quickly put something together through Photoshop, and then that becomes the thing that everyone thinks right. Oumuamua looks like. And they're dismissing it or not based on an artist. Right. Uh, and Very loose it, conception with no real data other than it was in deep space flying by. Yeah, and then and we it, get the space turd. And yeah, he said it was like, he's like, that was a moment in time. Yeah. Right. That, that, that's what we knew at that moment. Right. And so people were calling it one thing, calling it a comet, yeah. calling it an asteroid. And then a little later, there was new information. But if you're not keeping up with that, then you're just hanging on to the first thing you heard. Right. So, and I do respect that. He wanted to sort of say, okay, as we learn more, please get rid of your old assumptions and, and listen to the newest actual scientific information we have. Right. It, 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 this is nothing new because it's exactly what Russell Targ has said. And again, I, we always go back to this because it has turned out to be the most controversial topics that we cover. It's not so much ghosts, UFOs, cryptids. It's psychic psi ability, the powers right. of the mind, which Russell Targ, also a physicist, says that, you know, the hottest topic these days is consciousness studies among the open-minded scientific community, and it's not the psychologists and sociologists getting into it like they used to in the 70s and 80s. Now, it's the physicists that are getting into science studies. Yeah. And so his point, though, is that when it came to, I dare not even say the word, I'm just going to say RV, because again, we get, to, as soon as you say that word, that uh, it's a trigger, and then uh, people start, oh, there you go, it's Madame Minerva, and uh, he's talking, just talking about around it. Viewing, oh, okay, he said it. Well, you've got Hold on, well, I got, I'm just I saying, you were talking about a recreational vehicle. Yeah, I don't RVs, know what he's yeah. It is, that, is yeah. The, that is the term, but like I said, as soon as you say that, it's like, uh, you get the eye rolls and the eyeballs falling out of your heads, and here's the, what Russell Targ said, though, is that when they presented their data, because that is part of the process, is that that's what their job was to do is with the Stanford Research Institute, gather data for the government, for the military, and you can collect that data on how accurate it is. And he said the consensus was is that the data and its collection were accurate and accepted. What was not accepted were the implications of the data, and right. that's where personality comes in. It's like you, right. you have this set of data, it's like, well, that can't mean, though, that there's psychic ability is, exists. That's impossible. Much as whatever this Galileo fellow is trying to, you know, look at us, have us look at in the telescope, that's also not possible. And so the easiest way to get to sleep at night is not look through the telescope. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, don't open your closet because Schiffer robes apparently are very haunted everywhere. And things come in and go out of them. And it has to do maybe with a portal kind of a phenomenon. But many of the emails we get have to do with a haunted closet, which is also a name of a great thrift store, vintage clothing shop, the haunted closet. But it was at the paranormal, on the haunted onion was, the, haunted the, was onion. the pub. Yeah. Can we get a show of hands? Uh, haunted closets? Anyone? Anyone? Oh, we've got well, the go. right group here. All right, good, good, good. That's, okay. a, that's a significant statistical hand-raising there, I would say, because you're not expecting anyone 
that you know to, to have anything uh, strange in their homes, but here's what we said from the beginning. Once you start asking people and they trust you not to laugh at them, you'll get some of the most amazing stories. That's what this microphone is for. And that's what the empty microphone, yeah. 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 So we did say on the show that if anyone had any stories they'd like to share or, or they wanted to come up and talk for a minute about something that happened to them, we do have a microphone here. I recognize that there's probably more people in this room than people might want to be in front of. Uh, um, is there, I know is, I was shocked when I came in here. But if anybody has a story they'd like to share and talk to us about, the mic is open for that. Raise your hand and I will have you come up. And if you don't, that's okay too. We're all and family here, folks. Yeah, a long, <laughs> embarrassing silence yeah. ensued. Oh, here we go. Sir? Come on over. All right, give him a hand. Yeah. We just met this gentleman. He works in a limestone mine. It's pretty cool. He drives great big trucks. All right, Larry, tell us your story. <laughs> well, it's a ghost story. Okay. It's a ghost story. Yeah. So, uh, graduated high school and I joined uh, the Army Guard straight out of high school. Went to basic training, AIT, all that stuff. And I came back home to learn my civilian job. My Grandfather, I went to drive, started driving trucks for my grandpa for his company he had in Indianapolis. At the time, I was renting my house from him, and uh, the house is just really, really kind of freaky, I guess. I don't know. So, but anyways, long story short, this house had was a one-bedroom house, one bath, and a kitchen and a living room. And at the time, there was a burnt tree stump outside that I'd always wondered what the burnt tree stump was about come to find out that that house had burnt down. So when I was living there, before I knew any of this, I had been sleeping in the living room one day, woke up in the middle of the night to the smell of smoke. Like it smelled like something was on fire. So got up, searched around, couldn't find anything, went back to bed and nothing happened. Next day, same thing, woke up to the smell of smoke. But this time when I woke up, there was someone a shadow in the doorway. So the way this was set up was the whole front of the house is like the living room. The back right corner would have been uh, the bedroom and the back left corner would have been the kitchen and bathroom. So in the bedroom, there was a shadow and the whole door just slammed shut by itself. And I got up to smell smoke, seen the shadow, door shut. I thought someone was in my house and I used to sleep with my gun next to me. So I got up, grabbed my handgun that was next to my nightstand right there and uh, pretty much kicked the door down and no one was in there. All the doors were locked from the inside. My grandpa had redone the house so it was really, really thick carpet underneath the door so it's really hard to open and close. So that kind of freaked me out. So I uh, thought it was just weird and I never used to believe in ghosts because I was raised Baptist and I thought, you know, when you die you either go to heaven or hell and uh, just kind of scared me a little bit. I was like, okay, maybe there are ghosts. And uh, <laughs> Another week goes by, sleeping in the same spot, wake up to the smell of smoke again. And it was only right where I was sleeping and then right in another spot above a vent that went down to the basement. And this house was an older house and it was uh, like those old cement blocks. It had dirt floor basement. So I went down into the basement, had to walk outside, get in the crawl space, go down the basement and uh, crunch, you know, kind of bend down to get in there. and. The small smoke was only coming from the one spot. And uh, the one spot there was, there was an old binder. 
And when I opened up the binder, there was a newspaper article in it of a house that had caught on fire and it killed a family of four that was in this house. And the house was the house that I was living at. I, I'm, I'm not even joking, it scared the crap out of me. So in this old crawl space was a moldy binder with the newspaper clippings and a picture of the family that lived in that house prior. And that's why there was a burnt tree stump outside in the front of the house. So I never really thought much of it. I mean, it scared the, the tar out of me. I just kind of was like, all right, if you guys are here, if you could just, you know, I'll leave you alone, you leave me alone type <laughs> thing, you know. But uh, stuff like that had happened time and time again where I'd wake up to the smell of smoke and there'd be a shadow in the doorway to the kitchen or there, the door would shut. And when I finally moved out of there, because my grandpa had bought it prior to it burning down after uh, they had rebuilt the portion of the house that was salvageable. But I mean, he put new carpet and whatnot in it. But the straw that broke the camel's back for me was, I was at uh, our annual training with the Army National Guard. We go away for two weeks and do our annual training and uh, we'd come back. Well, I'd been away for two weeks and I'd come back home and we had a gas stove. I'd open my door and something had turned the gas stoves on in the house and the, the, it just reeked of gas. So at that point, I turned all the gas stoves off. I walked out and I never even walked back in. I told my grandpa, I'm sorry, I can't keep renting this house from you. I think this thing's trying to kill me. And ever since then, it's not been, uh, I don't know if it's that, that's kind of followed us around, but things where you just see shadows in certain areas now. I never experienced anything paranormal up until that point. And to this day, my grandfather had said that no one else had ever experienced anything like that there, but now it's kind of followed us over to our house where we're at now, but it's not me, it's my kids that see things. Shadows or, they don't see shadow like dark shadows, they see light, like white. They call him Sam. That's their imaginary friend that lives in a closet. I know it's weird, but wow. yeah, it's, it, but, but I just, now I play gospel music while I'm gone and yeah. try to Excellent. just ignore it. Um, but. Uh, cool story. Thanks, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, man. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Very good. Very good. All right. All right. I was going to ask, did you find out what started the fire? I know it was a mom and a dad, and I believe two children is what was on that newspaper article. And to this day, I don't know how that got in there or why it was even in the basement in the first place. But I believe it was just a, an accident, some kind of electrical mm. thing. But well, just, I was wondering gas. <laughs> yeah, right. Could it have been a yeah. gas fire? And then, but also, it doesn't make sense for the article to be down there because that would be after the fire. Yeah. So who's putting that put it in there when your grandfather rebuilt the he was the first owner after it burned down yes so that uh, no there was a person who owned it before him but he bought it from the man so there's a person in between him and the people who owned it before but but it wasn't livable no well it was livable the guy who bought it before him okay had salvaged what was left the house and it it used to be a three-bedroom two-bath house and then it was converted to a one-bedroom one-bath house so that guy made theoretically could have brought the article into the home which is also weird right the thing that made me and took it in the basement yeah yeah okay but what (laughs) what bothered me was or maybe not even bothered me but made me think was now i don't really see see too much but i back then i didn't have kids now i have kids yeah and it's not me or my wife who see anything it's the kids they say well there's a a sam or and i would really like to maybe find out what the children's names were that had passed away in that fire but now it's more or less them and I don't know if there's any correlation to it or not. All I know is I'd never had any paranormal experiences prior to that, and now 
it's just kind of opened my mind to a, a world of I never thought anything was after How this. many years has this been playing out for you? Probably, well, that would have been seven years ago, okay. eight years ago. Okay. So, but right, so you know you have to get us the address, right? So yes. <laughs> yes. Well, first of all, you get points for leaving when things got weird. Yeah. And nobody yeah. ever does that yes. in the movies, right? Yeah, that's the biggest thing. I worry about the kids, but I, I kind of, me and my wife sat down, and she, was, she thinks I'm crazy. But I just kind of had a conversation. I started playing some gospel music, and I was like, all right, guys, if you follow me here, these are my kids, just leave them be. And, uh, but after a few months, they, uh, my son Owen, he stopped talking about Sam, and now the doors just kind of leave themselves alone. So okay. Hopefully. <laughs> okay. It's a, yeah. That's a great story. Yeah. yeah. Again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Glenn Mason in the UK, and when I'm not wondering whether aliens are extraterrestrial, interdimensional, ultra-terrestrial, or all of the above, I'm listening to Astonishing Legends. Now, let's get back to the show. So, Larry's story, kind of scary, kind of scary, I think. Yeah, as I said, uh, I was talking to people. Actually, it was at the meet and greet, I remember, later on. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we were talking about how this affects people's lives and how – and you may not believe in any of this, and that's fine. I, I totally get that. because And Larry didn't either. He didn't believe in any of this yeah. stuff. Yeah. But then you should hear from the people who have experienced it. And I hope you never have to, and I'm sure they don't either for anybody because it's 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 unpleasant. And you may say, "Well, there's other things going on," and you're you're just misinterpreting them. And okay, if that's the case, you still don't want any of this to happen to you or your family or loved ones. You can think this is all very silly, but the truth of the matter is that it ruins families. It can it can ruin people. No, and I actually spent a lot of time with Larry. I knew he was going to tell the story because yeah. I'd met him a little bit earlier and he had told me about it. And then I saw him the after the night after this and we hung out and actually had a few drinks for a couple hours. And I, I'll tell you, he's he's upset by it. He's He's believes in what's going on here. Right. And you can see that it's... He wants it sorted. And, well, yeah. and he's a father. So I'm a father. I was like, I could tell he's like, he's worried about his kids. There's a, mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff going on with this. And uh, and that's why I was interested uh, in letting folks hear the story and hear him tell it. It's a very sincere situation for him. Yeah. And you know, like I said, uh, no matter what you think the cause is, even if you thought it was just uh, squeaky floorboards and bad electrical wiring and your own imagination yeah. ramping that up, none of this is good. Luckily, we're not to the point where it's too terrible, but it's very disturbing, and the youngest daughter is is scared, and you just, trust me, you don't want any of this, and yeah. no matter what you believe in, right? I, I think, I also thought it was interesting that the the friend, his son was like calling him Sam, which of course reminded <laughs> me of Sam the Sandown Clown immediately. Right. As long as it wasn't Captain Howdy. Yeah. But we don't know what this Sam is. It's interesting that Either the son just gave him a name or he told the son what he would like to be called. Yeah. Well, and the part of the story where he talks about jumping up and and the door slamming shut and then him kicking it down, I thought that was interesting. And we managed to line up an interview, a second interview with Larry, which we did the Tuesday after MonsterFest. And we got him to retell the story to us. We actually will probably share that full interview on Patreon, ultimately. It's got more detail in it, and it's interesting to see and hear him there. And uh, Larry, I know I said we weren't going to use your video, but we might on Patreon. So 
text me if that's a problem. But (laughs) but anyway, he got into some more detail about the door slamming that I thought was interesting. So we're going to play a segment here from our second interview with him yesterday. And I thought someone was in my house. I got up, grabbed my gun, and as soon as I grabbed my gun off my side stand that was next to the couch, that door slammed. I mean, as hard, it rattled the walls. It slammed shut so hard. I will put my hand on the Bible and swear that door slammed shut. And the way that door was, when my grandfather had redone that house, he had put fresh carpet in it, very, very thick carpet. So those doors, you had to pull them shut to get them to latch. And I kicked that door in and my grandpa was upset with me because I had to replace the hinges on it out of my own money. But I kicked the door in and um, there was nothing in there. Absolutely nothing. The windows were locked from the inside still. There was nothing under the bed, nothing in the closet. There was no, you know, attic entries above my head that something could have crawled up into. Nothing. I don't know what it was. I I don't know who it was. And it worried me so much and freaked me out so much that I remember I left the house. I got up, I got dressed, I left the house, and I just went out to my dump truck at our location where our dump trucks were. And I did my pre-trip inspection. I started it up and I just sat in my truck until the daylight (laughs) came out. So then fast forward to a few more weeks later, same spot, same hour. It was always in the same spot and it was always in the same hour. It was always between like one to three, four o'clock, one to always in, in that area. But like I said, it progressively got worse. And the third time this happened, so to break everything down. The first time it was the shadow in the kitchen. I got up and it was gone. The second time it was the shadow in the doorway, a heavier, small smoke, slammed the door shut and I left. The third time I woke up, but it woke me up because I was scared that I thought my actual house was on fire. That's how heavy the smoke smell was. There was no smoke, but the smell of smoke was just so heavy and thick inside that area where I was at. And I finally, I was like, well, I, I've got to go down to the basement because at this point I wasn't thinking ghosts. I wasn't thinking shadows. I was thinking there's got to be something on fire down into that basement. So I thought those extra details were important. That's why I wanted to put that in there. Mm-hmm. I, I was curious when he said he kicked the door down, if he got in trouble with his grandpa and he sounds like he did. <laughs> yeah. And I think he intimated that the grandfather didn't really totally believe him because he never experienced any of it himself, you know. Yeah. And that's the other thing that's interesting, and we'll talk about that in a minute, is uh, his wife has never seen anything either, but the right. kids have, and he has. So That's often a common scenario that you'll hear about, is that not all family members experience the same thing, or anything at all. And then they don't know what to make of it, because everybody, you know, they know the other family members, and they're so sincere, and they, they know what they're like. But for us, an instance of that goes all the way back to the Kakowski intruder with Liz and Craig Kakowski, where they experienced something separately years apart, but the the sister who lived down at the end of the hall, nothing at all. Right. right. <laughs> didn't know what was going on. Didn't had no idea any of that was happening. And neither did Liz or Craig until they talked about it what, 20 years later? Years later. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Uh, like a 10 years later in right. a bar after an improv show. Craig, uh, they're both uh, perf- improv performers in right. LA and right. writers and stuff and directors and all kinds of things. But yeah, so that's Pretty wild. All right. Well, we wanted to get a little bit more information in the second interview about this entity that the kids were seeing. So we did ask Larry to elaborate a little bit more about what his son and daughter were seeing when it came to this guy, Sam, in the closet. I've never had any paranormal experience in my life. And it wasn't up until this point that no matter where we're at, it seems like some kind of paranormal experience follows us or me. And I don't 
which freaks me out even more. But and it scares me even more than that, that I feel like it's interacting with my children now. But my son talked about a Sam. There was a Sam that lived in his closet. And he would always say, Sam is in the closet. Sam is in the closet. And you'd hear him upstairs talking to Sam. And um, his little sister would be downstairs with us. And his little brother, who, you know, is a year old now, he is downstairs in the nursery of the house that we're at currently. And he would be talking to someone up there and I'd go up there and there'd be no one there. I mean, every hair on my arms would be raised up. I'd say, who are you talking to, Owen? He said, I'm talking to Sam. I said, who's Sam? He said, he's my friend. So who's your friend? Where? He's like, he lives in the closet. And then from that point, he started um, kind of more or less not talking about Sam very much. So I thought maybe, okay, it was just an imaginary friend. It's kids do that. My sister was like that growing up. She had had an imaginary friend. But then my daughter started, she turned, you know, started getting older and she's four or five now. And now she, whenever she's in Owen's room, she talks about a scary monster. That's what she calls it. Owen called him Sam, but she says it's a scary monster. And I said, where's the scary monster at? She says it's in the closet. Both of them say that it's in the closet, except for Owen thought it was his imaginary friend. He called it Sam and she calls it scary monster, but she's about a year and a half younger than he is. So there's things that worry me about that, the door slamming and whatnot. Did either of the kids describe what they saw, what it, what it looked like to them, or did you just not ask them? My daughter said it was black. She said scary monster and black. And she's very, she's very, very smart, but uh, she's got very few words she really says right now. She's starting preschool, um, the pre-K right before you start kindergarten, actually this year. So everything she had always told me was just it's scary monster and black. Hmm. And your son never described what Sam looked like. You know, he would never tell me what he looked like. He said, he's just my friend, but they were both in the same closet. So, so Forrest, tell me this. Do you don't think it was strange that you made a reference to haunted closets before we started this session in that room? Because you're always like, nothing ever happens to me. I'm not <laughs> psychic. I don't know anything. But you literally, right before Larry told this story, which you had not heard, I had heard it right. uh, like a few hours earlier or the night before. I can't remember. It's all a blur. But I had heard it just since I met him at MonsterVest. You came into this room and sat down. And one of the first things you said was you haunted closets. And you made a big deal about haunted closets. <laughs> and then I? that's where, yeah. You think that's strange that you brought that up? Uh, it, you know, ask people to <laughs> by a show of hands who believed in haunted closets before Larry even told oh, his did story. I? Well, I was going to say that the pub we'd like to open somewhere in England uh, or the UK. You said is that the too, haunted the onion. The yeah, that was the. <laughs> that's an old joke. Yeah, uh, just because the name sounds uh, that familiar. But you know what? Really, if anybody who's uh, come across, read, heard about a lot of haunted house stories or experienced it themselves. Yeah, A closet, there's something about that. It's a closet or portal. And that's a real common meme, I don't know, trope that, uh, or just common occurrence that we've yeah. heard a lot about. And there's something about, uh, <laughs> again, well, I just love the word shiffer robe. What is a shiffer? You said that and I didn't know what it was. What well, it? it's like a- Is that something Claudia Schiffer wears when she's at a modeling shoot? No, or? no, no. Yeah. It, there's, it has to do with, uh, it's a wardrobe, right? The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, it's just a wardrobe. Oh, Schiffer robe. I'm seeing now. You said yeah. Schiffer. I thought you were saying Schiffer like Claudia Schiffer. Schiff, no, Schiffer, Schiffer robe. robe. I see it now yeah. on Wikipedia. Right. Okay. I like to put an R sometimes in there. But my point being is yeah. that it's, uh, that's why I asked him, is it built in the wall? It, you know, just the structure of it. But it doesn't have to be. It's, it's something that, I don't know, it's like a portal of sorts or a framework for a portal. And, and as we've all known, thresholds seem to be important. 
doorways, doors. It could be an attic door, a cellar door, a and again, a closet or some kind of, how many closet stories have we heard? Yeah. It's like our friend who told his story at Halloween, if you remember, right, about the yeah. door in the closet and the comic books being stacked up against it. Yeah, he stacked all the books up against it, and then he woke up in the dark in the middle of the night, and turned out he was somehow inside the closet and had to open the door, and the comic books were still in front of it. Right. He had to push them out of the way. He got teleported into the closet in the middle of the night. Somehow, yeah. Because, like I said, he would have to move all those, and it was, uh, I think, secured from the outside. So how do you do that? And it also reminds me, this story... Another one that somebody sent in and asked for our help, or at least people, you know, to contact and and to talk to, were just books to read about this. And they had a family haunting that was affecting them very negatively for a long time. And they said that out of the closet, out of the same kind of, out of a wardrobe of some kind, it would open in the middle of the night and a black mist or smoke would come out of it. Oh, right, right. And then another another story, which is also creepy, is that the, the closet or... Shift a robe, the wardrobe would open and a scary clown face would slowly poke out of it. Oh, yeah. I don't have time for that. Yeah. Like the saw clown, like not the not yeah. the fun ones, not the hobo yeah. clown. It would open and uh, it just things are going in and out of it. it. But it is apparently some kind of portal. We've heard that a lot. So, well, Narnia is in there for one thing. <laughs> well, I just, you know, they, here's the thing I thought it was a wardrobe. I've never heard shift a robe. I did look it up a minute ago. It's a portmanteau of a chiffonier right. and a wardrobe that right. apparently Sears Roebuck, they put it in a catalog in 1908 uh, and they called it a chiffon robe. Somebody at Sears or someone in that arena in the early 1900s yeah. in the U.S. made up a new word. That's interesting. See, I, th- I thought yeah. there was a slight difference. It's like, the, as people have pointed out, and it's making the rounds well, on yeah, social it's media, curvy, I the think, difference you know. between a coffin and a casket. I think a casket has a, a loose lid. People, I mean, people who are into the macabre will know is that one is just rectangular and has a loose lid. Uh, the other one's uh, has a hinge lid. There's different. There's differences. I thought the one wardrobe is, is one that has uh, drawers on the bottom, or there's some slight. Oh, that makes sense. You yeah. know, what I'm there's a yeah. difference. Is that, yeah, because yeah, the chiffonier has has drawers. I just, okay, so I learned all this in the past ten minutes. Right. So, so you, <laughs> but it doesn't really matter. It's just something that's uh, coming out of it and goes back into it, but it has a closure. I don't know what that is because, like I said, we've either, we've also heard stories where there's nothing behind it. There's no trap door. If you're believing this, there's nobody peeking out from the you know the other side through a false back or bottom of this thing. Not like a magic trick. It just has to do with the doors or just an item that is able to be an entrance or an exit for this activity. Well, that brought us to our next question for Larry, which was about his youngest. We asked him to elaborate a little bit on this. And actually, I don't think he told this part of the story when he was live in the room. This was additional detail that he gave us in our second interview about his son, who at the time was still in the crib and crying. So check this out. Very, very frustrating sometimes because it makes you feel like you're going insane. But, um, you know, she's not seen anything. My daughter has, my son has, and I have. But my youngest, the one-year-old, he is downstairs in the nursery. And two times in this house, I've seen a shadow, but it wasn't black. It was white, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. It does. The first time, it was around Christmas time. We had had our Christmas tree up in the corner. And from... Behind my chair was a white shadow, but it it almost looked like a child's height, and it went by and just disappeared. But that window was facing the road that's outside our house, so I I do believe that 
there's a chance that that could have just been a passing car, maybe a light glare or something through the window. Fast forward, uh, my son was crying. My wife was at work. Go figure, because everything that happens is when she's gone. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but uh, my, my son was in his room, and uh, my one-year-old, and he was crying, bawling his eyes out. And, uh, you know, I tried putting him to bed, you know, make sure he's got a clean diaper, change his butt, and everything's fine. You know, he won't take a, bo- won't take a bottle. He's got a clean diaper. You know, he has no fever. I couldn't figure out why he was crying, so I just – to the point where I'd sat down in my recliner across from the nursery and I was just like, I'm going to let it be. I'm just going to see if he cries it out. And uh, in the corner, the top corner of the door, the top left corner of the door, the best way I can describe it is a silhouette of, have you ever seen a shooting range target, like the silhouette of a man? It's mm-hmm. got, yep. It was like that. It was that shape of a head almost, but in the very top left corner of the door, like something was on the wall peeking around the top left corner of the wall and it was white snow white and as soon as i looked at it and i seen it with both my eyes it went back right into the corner and it had freaked me out so bad every hair on my arm rose every hair on the back of my neck had risen and um i ran in there and i grabbed my son and i picked him up and i shut the light off into his nursery and i cut i shut the door as soon as i shut the door i felt better he instantly stopped crying as soon as I shut the door, which was the weirdest thing ever. I mean, he didn't stop crying when I picked him up in the nursery. He stopped crying when we left the room and I shut the door. It was almost like whatever was in there did not want them in there, did not want him in there. And that's what scares me because I don't know if maybe whatever entity or entities were at the house that I had had this problem with before, if there's more of them. All right, so that's a little extra info on Larry's story. We're going to be trying to see if we can put him in touch with some people who can help him out behind the scenes. Let's go back to our live recording and our next tale from MonsterFest 2023. What's her name again? Lore, like mythology. Lore. All right, Lore, give a hand to Lore. I don't think this will top that in terms of spookiness because I want to share a story, like a quick story of the least intimidating ghost I think anyone has ever reported. (laughs) Oh, nice. Uh, I went to college a couple of years ago, uh, the small private like liberal arts college in southern Wisconsin. So it was not very not not very populous, but there were always you know a couple of like sports guys wandering around the main courtyard. And one day I was going from the dining hall. It was like middle of the day, super bright, sunny. I was going from the dining hall to my dorm, which was like a short, you know, couple of hundred feet walk and super open courtyard. It's just grass, just pavement, no trees, no walls, absolutely nothing to hide behind. And as I was going through, there was like a guy walking next to me. Imagine the most stereotypical white frat bro you can think of. He had like the sports shorts on, the like college t-shirt, the Adidas flip-flops, kind of, you know, buzz, buzz cut, blonde hair, just looking down at his phone like everyone else on campus. And as he, he's walking towards my dorm with me, and as I open, I open the door because, you know, he's kind of like, it's that awkward thing where they're a little too far for you to just shut the door on their face. That'd be awkward, but they're, they're close enough. It's just, it's just man, you got to hold the door. It's awkward. But so, so I did that for them, for this guy. And our dorm, like the entire front is glass. It's a very eco-conscious uh, college. So everything is like glass, open sun, nowhere to hide. Open the door, wait for this guy. It's been like 10 seconds. He's not coming. I turn around 
And this man is gone. There is nowhere for him to go. There was nowhere he could have, like, ducked behind. He just disappeared. Just vanished. Just absolutely vanished. Yeah. And that's, like, the only real paranormal experience I've had. But it was very comforting, kind of, because it's like, oh, not, not all ghosts are, like, scary and evil. Sometimes, sometimes they're just wandering around on their phones in college. That's, that's, <laughs> hey, that's the guy with the voice So here's my question here is because again that sounded uh, that mundaneness uh, sounded like the the guy I think I still saw it wearily yeah and it's like the most right. mundane thing and you don't notice it and then whatever you know this guy crosses in front of uh, speaking of Ohio James Willis so he uh, he, he crossed right in front of him our friends uh, Jill and Roger back there were were there with us and as soon as he ducked into one of the empty rooms and there's no doors on these places he ducked into the empty rooms beyond those as people know if you know waverly it's that uh open i'm sure uh, they all ledge know yeah by now it's uh <laughs> by how it's laid out like there's nowhere to go like you said so you, you then you look at the rooms not there you look down it's like and then you start to question so so did you when he just kind of vanished did you question yourself like did i see that at all or what's your first thought what's your yeah first thought? well it was funny because i was you know had the spent <laughs> like 30 seconds like where could he have possibly gone and then it was just an odd sense of comfort because again that was the only paranormal-ish paranormal-ish mm -hmm. thing that's ever happened to me so I was just kind of overcome with this sense of oh okay so ghosts aren't all bad because that was definitely <laughs> if not a ghost I don't know what it was but it, it was an odd sense of yeah. happiness I, which, which is strange that's not what you usually hear with paranormal encounters so I thought that was funny. It's it's certainly noteworthy, and uh, yeah, it doesn't have to be that scary or disturbing. But uh, I get if you're like us, probably a lot of us in this room, it's comforting to know that the the world is much more interesting than just what you see uh, normally on a day to day basis. There's uh, there's still some wonder and mystery and fantastical things that happen, even if it's just a Broheim dude yeah. ghost. <laughs> Such a Thanks for coming Thank on. You. Thank you. It's so nice to hear a nice <laughs> ghost story about a really benign right. guy just looking at his phone who vanishes. Well, she made a good point in, in that a lot of it has to do with how you react, how people react, how you feel about it. And I'm a huge believer, big believer in the gut feeling of, of that, you know, something that is ineffable. It's hard to describe. You can only feel it and you can't even tell somebody else what it's like. But in this case... It wasn't threatening. Not all of these things are this terrifying, thank goodness, not all of these things are, are terrifying experiences. Some are just real head scratchers, like my experience at Waverly. But, you know, my thing was, it just made me question myself. My, what did I just see? Or did I actually see anything? And I'm still not sure. Because it's just, yeah. it doesn't seem like anything other than what was the same is that it wasn't anybody who was really there because... Uh, like I said, there's no doors on on any of the hinges or whatever, and you look and there's just nobody there. Like there's nowhere to right. go, and so it's like, well, th what was that? And then you question. It's like, well, did somebody really cross? I mean, that was just my memory thirty seconds ago. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm doubting myself. So it, that's an odd feeling. But it wasn't like I said. It wasn't a scary thing. I didn't get chills. I didn't feel like a, a presence. Like Carol Ann passed through me and I can I can smell them. There was nothing that tangible, but I like the story because it is kind of mundane, but it's also reassuring that one, 
either, I guess you could say, if that person's, uh, you know, if they had passed and that's their spirit, that there is life after death. You have to go back to college, apparently. Uh, you're missing some right, credits. Right. But there is a an existence beyond death. Or perhaps it was just, as we always talk about, some kind of an echo or a reverberation, a stone tape theory kind of thing where this pattern, this image of this person is just wandering around and maybe doing the same thing. But even if it's just something that's more mundane and an echo like that and, and not a spirit, it's that's also, to me, something that's inspiring and fascinating and immensely interesting because uh, then the world is more magical in the way that I would wish it to be. Well, one of the things that made me laugh about the story that Laura told was that she was singling out this guy's clothes and she talked about <laughs> the Adidas flip-flops and right. our friend Dave was standing in there in those exact flip-flops. Yep. He's actually the last storyteller from right, this evening. Right. But it's funny, but he's not really a bro, but he did have the classic well, Adidas I've owned flip-flops. a pair of those slides as well. They're very comfy. Yeah, they're, well, they're comfortable. Yeah. This is Ezra with the Galileo Project. And while I'm setting up UAP detection equipment, I'm listening to Astonishing Legends. Let's get back to the show. Some folks will remember Lauren from our Arcapalooza episode, uh, which was uh, actually a two-part thing celebrating that we got to 100 episodes. We're now at two, I think this is 260. So that was a while back, but she's been a friend a long time. And she told some stories on the show, uh, on that episode, in episode 101, I believe it was, about the things that had happened to her in her home, including seeing a doppelganger of her own sister in the house when her sister was clearly outside in the yard, out the window. And the doppelganger had a strange haircut. It was one that her sister had formerly had, but it was not the current haircut. Right. It was off a little bit, or the timing was wrong. But I think most people picked up on and zeroed in on a on a word, the bubby voice. It yes. did the, bub, the, the the silly voice that they would do to each other. Just between them, their yeah. private I little joke. The, I yeah. the bubby voice. <laughs> so whatever, yeah. I can't remember what it was, but it was a goofy voice, and it did that voice, but it was not her. But it was not her. So this next story comes from Lauren's parents, who we didn't even know were attending until no. they came up to us and said, hi, I'm Shauna, and this is Jim Ham. We're, we're Lauren's parents. I, I was blown away. We have yeah. been talking to them for years via email. We have a bunch of research material from them. The whole family has been dealing with something extremely powerful and pervasive for years. Oh, I think right. you guys know me. Well, yeah. this is somebody we've known for quite a long time, actually. Yeah, I don't know how yeah. much of this you're going to share, but... Uh, can you tell everyone... Uh, <laughs> probably everybody, yeah. would take a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah. listening at home, what is your name? Sean Am. Sean And yes. you guys might tell them who I am. Maybe no, they remember the episodes of... Well, uh, talk about... Your, it was your daughter mm-hmm. that reached Lauren. out to us first, Laura. Mm-hmm. And this is a family story, like a lot of these things that happen. And there are elements of it that are, I would say, classic to a, a family haunting story that goes on mm-hmm. uh, for decades and follows you around. <laughs> and the Venn diagram that occurs with these and the people that you meet and tell it to also can have their experiences. And we, we had a little bit of our own not in a bad way, but just, again, <laughs> one that gets your attention with the Ham family story. And so 
in this case, it had to do with uh, a little bit, again, it, it's all this network that we've developed when you start this show and you get the, the wonderful people that meet up with you and share their stories and are intimate with it. And uh, you start meeting other people like Debbie Chestnut, who, you know, my friend John Eberhardt first met with his family story. That was the sledge entity. And then uh, he connects with us. And then, you know, next thing you know, you know the hams and, and their story. So basically it was Lauren, I think, who reached out, said, I have a personal family story and it's pretty frightening and it seems to keep plaguing us and and so the story as it unfolds there's a lot of details and she actually did research for you too didn't she, she did yes yeah. so, so okay. she does help out yeah. but if you would uh give us i guess the bullet points or the uh, the reader's digest version okay. of uh, because again yeah. like we said a lot of these times uh and we actually just got done talking on uh, hammond chamberlain's uh, podcast about people sending us their Halloween stories and and sometimes they're disappointed in that we we didn't include it but what we said is like, well, we're looking for an anthology and various types of stories. We want to get to a, a bunch of them, but some are a lifetime, and they would take yes. one or two or three parts <laughs> yeah. to fully cover as they should be, and and that's why we didn't choose them. Or years. Yeah. Uh, or oh, years. Oh, no, that's okay. But here's, okay. but here's the story. Is like, I think when you lay out the details and, and what's happened to you, it's going to ring familiar with a lot of folks here. Yeah. If you want to ask me questions to guide me, that's fine, okay. because... It is 20 years of an experience. It is ongoing today. So if you want to say a prayer of protection or anything you want to, because we're in the room, that might be helpful. If you want to just ask questions, that's the easiest way because it just goes on and on. I was on well, a podcast yeah. talk not too long yeah, ago. We, yes. right. Okay. Let's start at the beginning. What was the first thing that seemed unusual, abnormal, that got your attention? Um, it actually started in Bible college. You know, this is a, a weird thing to say, but sometimes Christians don't want to think about this stuff. And we found it to be true all the way through our experience. It was just a complete shutdown. But it all started at a Bible college. The first things that we noticed were elect electrical disturbances. The lights would flash on and off. We actually had maintenance come in about three times at one time. Um, we had incidences of there was just this horrible smell coming from one. The, it was actually the kids' playroom. So you go in, you look for dead mice, you look for did they leave food in the play school kitchen? It's rotten, whatever, you know. So we vacuumed the room, we fumigated it, we went in, and this went on for how long? Like months? Months. Finally, we went in one day, it was gone. Just totally gone. I mean, it was just, it was a horrible putrid smell. But it was just... Things like that, we thought, well, I have one incidence of what I will call violence toward the children, which really scared me at that point. And then at that point, I thought, we've got a problem here. What happened? I was actually in the kitchen, and we had this set of stairs in the apartment. We had a gate at the top of the stairs. The kids knew, you know, you don't play with toys at the top of the stairs. You don't go near, near the stairs. And the whole time we've been there, we never, the kids never fell down the stairs. I mean, they just didn't. And I heard this, the down the stairs. And <laughs> this is hard to talk about, but I get up and I run in there. And it's my middle daughter and she stands up and I look at her neck and there are neck marks here. She said, mommy, she said something pushed me down the stairs. And I was just like, how did this happen? But um, about five minutes later, here comes the second one down the stairs. And, you know, at that point, I said, 
I don't know what's going on here. We really, really have a problem. So, of course, um, just like most people do, you know, if my, my father was a very scientific-minded person. I tended to write everything off, blow it off coincidence. It didn't really happen. This is your imagination. So we kind of left it behind. We moved to the second house, and this is kind of what Lauren mm -hmm. gets in and, into and talks about, and I actually had the experience with the little girl behind my back. She was the one, I could look behind and see somebody was behind me, but I thought it was my youngest daughter. She was the one that actually let me know that that was not my youngest daughter behind me, that this girl had taken off and went through the wall. I mean, just through the wall. So Lauren would corroborate a lot of the things that I experienced. Otherwise, I think I would have discounted what she said and I would have discounted what I saw and felt. But when she was like eight years old, she would come to me, and I knew because I was having the same experiences, I would hear my name in my ear. At one time it was, get up! And she came up to me, and she was just, she was born an adult. She was like 26 years old when she was birthed. I mean, she was, she was literally, when I had the ultrasound, her eyes were wide open and she was looking around like, and it just totally freaked the, the obstetrician out. But anyway. <laughs> She came in and she looked at me, she was about eight. This actually happened at the Bible college and she looked up and she said, mommy, she said something said my name in my ear last night. And I was like, oh gosh, because that night before something had said my name in my ear. So we kind of corroborated each other. Now from the second house, it seemed like the experiences and you know what we saw ramped up, it got worse. Well, I've always said this, don't ignore it because it can get worse if you do. It got pretty fairly bad in the first house. Wasn't so bad in the second house, and it's ramped up again in the third house. Like, last summer was absolutely wild, wasn't it? Now, at the second house, at one point, we did have to have a Catholic priest come in. You know, it got kind of quiet after we moved again. This was like three times. Is this the but, impetus for your, all your moves? Hmm? Is this why you move? A lot of it had to do with work relocation yeah. but some, I mean you know we were relieved to get out of there by the time we left the first house it was crazy we had mice infestations we had flies we had you had a lot of pets die lots yeah 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 lots of pets die that's one of the things that bothered us about this year and in this house is that our last little pet died and it was just like it wasn't, uh, Lauren was also having issues at her apartment, right? Mm -hmm. What kind of stuff was happening to her there? About the same thing. And, yeah. and it's funny because she will have it. Our youngest daughter, Carrie, never, this never used to happen to her, but it's, it started to. Car Carrie's just kind of, I don't know, she just doesn't have the, I don't know what you would call it. She just, she doesn't have it. She, um, but she started to have some experiences. Her boyfriend has actually started having them. Um, we have had people that have come into our houses that we don't even know. I mean, it was like the ice cream delivered because we live 14 miles from anywhere. He came in and <laughs> he came in and he was standing there and we called it the creepy room. You just, you didn't go in the creepy room. We went in and the lights would strobe and that's a whole other different story because it's, it's insane right now in our house. We've had the electrician in twice in two months, but, um, he came in and he was looking at me and he kind of motioned back toward the creepy room. He said, did you hear that? And I said, 
No, you said something said get out and out the door he was. <laughs> so um, yeah, we do have some people come in. The kids' friends would hear and see stuff. Right now, our big problem is electrical, though. I mean, you can go from room to room, and the lights are strobe and flashing. We've had, like I said, an electrician come in. If only we knew someone who investigated haunted houses somewhere <laughs> within this room. Uh, would you ever let anyone in to uh, take a look and see what they could find or record or figure out? I mean, that's okay. How many people know Keith Johnson uh, from Ghost Hunters Taps? It was kind of like the early days. Okay. We do know Keith. As a matter of fact, Keith messaged me on Facebook, what was it, day before yesterday? Mm -hmm. And he said, I have been trying to get a hold of you for months. I can't get through. And that, that has not ever happened. Yeah. So I don't, I don't really know what's going on. He has my phone number, but this was the only way that he could get a hold of me. So what it, it's would, bizarre. Uh, besides the, uh, the image of the little girl, what else was seen? Because I think it was, sh it was shadows. Shadows, lots of shadows, some fairly crazy sounding stuff, which yeah. I will, you know, I kind of hesitate to wade too much into the, we have seen, I guess, what you would call the demonic. I mean, we have seen some things as you, far as that. I believe your husband had something rush up at him near a fence outside one time. Oh, out at the second house. Um, we don't know what this was. Yeah. We had a lot of things at the second house that I didn't feel like fit in with what we were dealing with. It was kind of crazy. And I've heard people talk about synchronicity yeah. then. I mean, we, we just had, I mean, it was hard enough to accept what was going on in the house, let alone outside of the house. But we lived on a farm in the second house. And you can tell it if you want to. He'd probably rather not. Okay. All right, let's give him a hand. Come on, huh? Mountain dude. <laughs> you, can, you can hold the mic if you want. Uh, I'll just uh, look at the mic so okay. I'm not looking at there the, you go. the crowd. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The, the incident that uh, that you're referring to, uh, refer, just referred to, I was outside on the farm, beautiful, bright, clear day, not, not anything going on, no wind, no... Um, it was just a nice day. And uh, I happened to be looking down towards the end of our field on our farm into an area that we, we refer to as the ravine <laughs> area, which seemed to be where a lot of strange things seemed to take place. And um, it was the oddest sight. I, I'd never seen anything. Well, I guess I had. It's sort of like when, you, um, when you're driving down a hot, a hot day and you see the, it looks like a mirage come up yeah. off the, the roadway. This Predator. was down down in the trees, yeah, and and all of a sudden, it looked like it from that movie, The Predator, that where you see the mirage look and you, you're you seeing the heat wave, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and uh, and it, it grew and grew and and then um, and then it was gone, you yeah. know, and I, I never did see anything come come out of it or anything like that, but it was it was just mm -hmm. gone, but it was it was enough to really yeah. uh, really. Yeah. Freaked me out. He, he burst in the house and he was like, I don't, I don't know what this is. I don't know what. Um, <laughs> but, but in a very brave yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very, 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 very brave way. Thank you for Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Well, I mean, we, here's the thing: we can we can put you in touch with yeah. folks, we and need to get uh, out the Rolodex on but that one. sometimes only uh, so much can be done. It's like the uh, right. it depends on what it is, or it goes away for a little bit, comes back again, and uh, it's something hard to get a handle on. But I think remember what um, what Debbie Chestnut said is that sometimes their her view is that uh, I think with a little bit of research, also that Lauren did, and again, that's when. It gets very emotional. I think what there's a generational family thing that we won't get into because, again, they, they can't defend themselves. These are generations past that may have had an origin that has come down, let's say, from things and practices that yeah. previous generations had been rumored to take part in, and that has come down the, lot, the family line. And so what I can tell you is that when we had Lauren on a Zoom call with Tess, and Scott and Debbie Chestnut. And here's the thing, it's, it's, it's one of them being a, uh, an observer, an impartial observer, and Scott and I are, are on this call, same thing with Tess, and Debbie says, I think I know what this thing is. And I don't want to say its name, yeah. but she described it, and then there was a picture, Oh yeah. and Lauren started crying, because she's like, that's it. So yeah, they've got, they've got a serious issue going on there. It's sophisticated. It's complicated. It's it's so complex. We're a little flummoxed on how to help them. Well, we have put them in touch. They no, they've been very grateful for the people we've put them in touch with, and and said so in an email afterwards. And and certainly they're like an extended family uh, because we've been around them so long, and yeah. have gotten bits of their story. And like I said, we're collecting it. But it it is one of those things that is. Uh, it could be a book or at least a two-parter on our show. So it, there's a lot going on, but it is a classic family haunting. Yeah. And the thing about yeah. it that people don't know is just how exhausting and draining all of that is, is that it, it's just physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually exhausting, tiring. Yeah. It does a lot of damage to a lot of families, especially ones that aren't prepared to handle this kind of thing. I believe personally that that's the goal is to try and chip away at you and, and try to, to break you up. And it takes a lot of strength and perseverance to make sure that doesn't happen. So we've put them in touch with some folks and who are currently working on their situation and we'll, we'll check in with them and, and see, you know, what the progress is and how things are going, but they're definitely in our thoughts and uh, we're going to keep tabs on them going forward. Guys, right. we have a new contestant. Yes. yes, we do. All right, can you tell us your name? Hello, I am Jen Rafferty, Jennifer Rafferty. Answer to both. Um, I don't know how to top that. It's definitely not <laughs> that exciting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I live outside of Philadelphia. I'm about two hours exactly from Gettysburg, which is where this encounter takes place. Um, it's not super duper scary. It was a cr little bit creepy. It's probably the most creepiest thing that's ever happened to me. So. Obviously, Gettysburg is probably one of the most haunted places in the United States, certainly probably in Pennsylvania. So two years ago, in 2021, my friends and I did a uh, ghost investigation with, I think it was the Gettysburg Paranormal Society. And basically, they'll take you to a couple of different locations, um, not on the battlefield, because the battlefield is closed at night, and they do not let anybody go on the battlefield, so they'll hit you with a fine. Um, not that I know. I don't know that personal experience, but <laughs> from what I'm told. So the second location we went to was a home that was turned into a field hospital during the time of the battle. Any of the houses that surrounded the, the battlefields were turned into field hospitals um, just because of the amount of carnage. 
So this particular home had been rented out to a family, and then at the time we went to investigate, uh, it was no longer being lived in. Uh, it was a, abandoned, essentially. It was, it was owned privately, but nobody was living there. There was no running water, no working electric. So it was myself, my group of friends, and probably about eight or so other people. Um, we were all spread throughout the house. Uh, my friends and I were up on the second floor, I believe. Or actually, you know what? It was the third floor. And in this particular room, we were told that there was a supposedly a spirit of a Confederate soldier by the name of George. George was supposed to be kind of malevolent. He didn't like women, um, apparently. He was known to pull on their hair, kind of do things to make women feel uncomfortable. So, you know, he went in and apparently he liked long hair, and I was like, looking for a hair tie to tie my hair up. I was like, no, we're not going to do that. But anyway, so we were sitting in the middle of the room, and again, there's no electricity in this house at all. And we had, um, we had a spirit box, and we had uh, an EMF detector. And so we were just sitting there in a circle. Our phones were off because we didn't want any risk of interference. And the spirit box, you know, we were just asking questions. We were asking um, if they fought for the South or for the, the Union or the Confederacy. We didn't really get anything. We could kind of hear a couple of little blips. Um, sometimes spirit boxes can be really hard to understand what comes through. But we, so then I ended up asking what color the uniform was. And we heard gray. The uniforms of the Confederate Army were gray. Um, and then, you know, we heard a couple other things. We heard some strange noises like creaks coming from the closet that was behind us. It was an open closet. There was nothing in there. There was nobody in the room next to us. But probably the creepiest thing we decided to do, we wanted to try and get a reaction. Nothing bad, not like provocation, like some researchers will do. So I'm a musician by trade. And so I thought I would try and sing a song from the, the, the Civil War that they would recognize. So I chose Battle Hymn of the Republic because I was like, I know like a few words to that. I think, I think John Roger, that's an era cue, right? Right. It's, it's a what? Era. Oh, era. oh, that's what it's called. You're, yeah, so like a C-U-E, you're trying to invoke a, a emotional response, and we've tried that at the Octagon House, yeah. and it worked. Oh, got it, got it. Yeah. I was going to sing that, and I was like, it's a no for me. But so I chose Battle Hymn of the Republic, and at this point, things had been quiet in the room, um, and our EMF detector this whole time had not done anything. So I started singing Battle Hymn of the Republic, and all of a sudden, boom, it goes red. And the whole time I was singing, it was just bloop, bloop, bloop. And then as soon as I was finished, it just went, and it was off for the rest of the night. So not that creepy, but it was creepy for me. I don't know. It was creepy for me. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. I just want to say a special thanks to Jen Rafferty for coming up and tell that story. She is great. She's one of the mods in our Facebook group. She has mm-hmm. great energy. She's a lot of fun to hang out with. Absolutely. We appreciate her coming to this. Yeah. Right. Just, <laughs> she's terrific. Great sense of humor. Always uh, cracks the whip and keeps everybody in line, especially in the Facebook group. But there was a little <laughs> uh, uh, friendly tension because Dave got us to cover Cisco Grove. And she yes. was specifically asking us, and we may do it one one of these days. It's a bigger topic, but uh, the the ghosts of Gettysburg, one of our favorite yes. topics here. So uh, yeah, <laughs> I think she was saying, how many topics does Dave get us to do? That's yeah, without right, her right. Uh, doing and, it. So we're so glad we got Dave, her story. By the but, way, Dave is coming up, folks. So that's uh, right. The, well, the good news is that both Dave and Jen got into this room and managed to tell their story. That's true. it. Was funny. No one raised their hands when we first said. 
who wants to come up and tell a story? It was really quiet. Mm. And then Larry came up and told his story, which was pretty crazy about the fire and the house and his kids and all that. And after that, a lot of people started raising their hands. So I, w- I was excited to hear from all these folks. That's yeah. the way it is in real life. As I always say with your friends and family and people you know, they won't tell you these stories or they're hesitant because they don't know how you're going to react, right? You might just roll your eyes or like, oh, sure you did. Even your closest friends, and and that's annoying to a lot of people when your closest friends and loved ones don't believe you, and that's part of uh, what Larry was saying. Is, you know, his own grandfather was like, I don't know what's going on with you, boy, but uh, yeah. you know, like you're acting kind of goofy. And replace those hinges. Yeah, and, right. And you ruined. <laughs> yeah, he's trying. It's a rental house. You know, he doesn't. I just uh, fixed this up. You kicked the door down. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so he made him go out of pocket on it. He said, which I thought was that's classic grandpa behavior. Right, right. right. I know exactly that feeling too, where the the door rubs against the car. It and I don't like yeah. that. <laughs> I just yeah, personally yeah. I don't like a I like a smooth flowing door. Uh, so I yeah, it's a very <laughs> visual uh, element. I could I could feel that totally and just how it didn't just go. It wasn't the wind, right? It didn't just yeah, fall yeah. closed by itself. So so anyway, yes, I get it uh, when friends and family don't believe you, and so that's why people don't mention these things until they can kind of trust you and then open up and then. And then sometimes it's like, ah, I was so glad I was able to tell the story because it's cathartic as well, getting that off your chest and having people, like, you may not believe everything, but at least they're not laughing at you. That's all you want. Well, and the other thing that was interesting that I learned about this, because I have not, you've been on a couple investigations with Roger and Jill, right. which I imagine they they taught you about, because they were the ones who chimed up in the back of no, the room. No, I, I owe all of about our- About air accused. Yeah, yeah. No, all of our uh, field knowledge- and experience so far, I owe a lot of that to them, and uh, they've been doing it for over 20 years, and so they they know all the tips and tricks, they know what to look for, they know all the terms, and they're very uh, studied and experienced, and that's what we learned in historical places, is that you can have, uh, yeah, what they call an era cue, and that you play something or have some kind of stimulus that is appropriate to a specific era. So at the Octagon House, they played a uh, an old Confederate song, Jilded, on her phone, and it doesn't. It doesn't. You don't have to sit there and play it on the piano. You can just play the music, and on Roger's device, which basically measures the amount of non-randomness in a haunted place or a place with spirits, that those numbers went off the charts as soon as we started playing that song. So, like I said, in a place that's seen a lot of pain and death, or just a, a lot of high emotion and energy, and you you know the history of it. That house, the Octagon House, had a lot of Civil War soldiers who were badly injured, who died there, who were getting patched up, who passed through. It had a lot of history. And so when you played a Confederate, a rebel song, that sparked a lot of emotion. And that's the idea is that it's people can be patriotic. I don't know about you when you hear drum and fife, <laughs> if you want to take up arms and fly the flag. But in a battle situation, that's the purpose of it, to get your spirits up, rally you. To let you know, I mean, a, a modern equivalent is like, you know, when you hear uh, Ride of the Valkyries in Apocalypse yeah. Now, and uh, yeah. and that kind of gets your uh, your muster up. And, and so that's kind of the idea is that even in death and with spirits, that it will provoke some kind of reaction. Not always a bad one. You're not trying to insult them, as you see on some shows, because they need a reaction because nothing's happened in six hours. In this case, though, you're trying to appeal to them, like I said, something that they might like or respond to. And uh, it could be, like I said, if you're trying to communicate with old Aunt Bertha and she liked this one piano piece, you might play that and you might get a response because she liked that when she was alive. Hello? 
Hi, I'm Kylie, and you're listening to Astonishing Legends with Scott Philbrook and Forrest Burgess. Now, back to the show. All right, folks, we're going to leave you with this last story from our friend Dave Gibson uh, about a welding shop that he was working in that a friend of his was letting him borrow. And they both, turns out, have been seeing something there. And it's one of those things where, like earlier when Forrest mentioned uh, Craig and Liz Kakowski, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what's going on here. So it's a, this is a pretty good story. We're going to leave you with this one. Uh, at the end of this, we had to turn the room back over to uh, the next people doing a live show in the room, and that would be Jim Harold, who yeah. I think has already posted that show. So look for that. You know, Jim Harold's campfire shows and all his other shows, wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll find it there. Not to mention all the podcasts we mentioned at the top of the show from friends that we met at MonsterFest. We'll put links to all of them in the show notes for this episode. There's going to be a lot of new content for people to consume and uh, new illustrators to check out, all kinds of fun stuff. So uh, definitely hit the show page for this episode once it goes up. But uh, right now, we're going to leave you with Dave Gibson. We're going to go out on that, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Dave, come on up. Come on up, Dave. Dave. Dave, Dave, Dave. How's it going? Good. 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 Yeah. Introduce yourself. I'm Dave. Hi. <laughs> I'm Dave. Um, this is kind of recent activity. I recently uh, started a business, and it kind of grew. I had to move out to my friend's shop. I told Forrest this last night. Yeah, yes. and uh, it, it, well, it would be great to have your uh, your shop co-owner. Uh, yeah, it's. And, but you know, look. To, if you don't believe this, if you don't believe in any of this at all, having two people confirm something doesn't mean anything. Even yeah, uh, and that's kind of where I am. I just have these experiences, and they are what they are. I don't know what they mean. I don't know, understand them. I don't need to understand them. But. I would start working out there, like on my on my own, and I would see shadows, just kind of like here and there, like mm, that was weird. And then it happened about three or four more times, and then like the fourth or fifth time, there was a shadow that was probably seven feet tall, and I can just, it was as close to right here, and it was tall and it was really black, and I was like, ooh, what's that? And I was like, this is so weird, and I text him, I was like, hey man, are you into the woo? (laughs) He's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm seeing stuff out here when I'm alone. He's like, I see him too. I was like, okay. Well, what do we do with that? He's like, I don't know. They're not, I don't get any bad feelings from them. So I don't know what it's about. Like, he's had traumatic events too. Mm. So we're both kind of like trauma bonding over our near-death yeah, Dave had a rough year or so there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's rough, yeah. yeah. Um, so what, what kind of shop is this? It's a welding shop. And that's what it's always been? It's always been that, yep. Has there ever been any injuries or anything strange or anything? No. Uh, yeah. No one's... We've come close, but we've yeah. never actually had any, like, great bottle It's of been harm. zero days since our last accident. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he had a strange story, too. I've known him for... 10, 15 years, great dude. He was telling me a story about his youngest son. He was looking out the window. They live maybe a quarter of a mile away from the shop. And he's like, daddy, daddy, I see this lady, like this dude or lady or something outside. And it was like an Amish person. Cause I guess there used to be an old uh, Mennonite like settlement there. And it was like a full bodied apparition thing. And so there's kind of like some weird, mm things yeah. happening in the area. I don't know what the shadows mean. I don't really get any bad feelings from them. Right. So it's just another one of those things that 
I see a flash into the void, and I'm like, that's cool. Thanks for that. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's like, I don't know what to do with this information. But I think no news or fe bad feelings is uh, is good enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. Lenny. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Thank you. Dave. Thank you. Let's well, get sure. out of here for Jim. Well, that's it. Everybody, and, uh, thank you yeah, so much for coming. Thank you so much That's going to wrap up our first show done in front of a live studio audience. It was a lot of fun, even though some folks are going through some tough paranormal times. A very special thanks to Larry, Lore, Jen, Shanna, Jim, Roger, Jill, and Dave for joining us. We're going to be back in two weeks with Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Richard Blumenthal. Blumenthal co-wrote the now-infamous 2017 New York Times front-page article, Glowing Auras and Black Money, the Pentagon's Mysterious UFO Program and most recently is one of the co-authors of the earth-shattering story of Dave Grush's claims that the U.S. has not only captured UFOs, but has been attempting to reverse-engineer them for decades. So that's in two weeks. Until we return, visit patreon.com astonishinglegends and sign up to see us on the much more candid and wildly disorganized Astonishing Junk Tour, which we often do live for our patrons. Astonishing Legends is edited by Sarah Voorhees-Wendell at VW Sound and co-produced by Tess Feifel who is also head of research and the social media manager. Our technical producer is Ed Vicola, or as we call him, the mechanic. Special thanks to our announcer, John Bolin. Our theme, which is available as a ringtone, was composed by Judson Crane at foundermusic.com. All other music and sound design for the show is composed and created by Alan Carestia. Our logo was created by Tommy Beaver Design, and our animated graphics for social media and YouTube are done by Joshua Sloan at deadstreetproductions.com. Every episode going back to September of 2020 has a transcription available on its corresponding webpage at our website. Earlier transcriptions can be made available upon request to astonishingcontact at gmail.com. Astonishing Legends would not be possible without you, our listeners. Visit our store at astonishinglegends.com or interact with us and other listeners on Instagram, Twitter, Discord, Facebook, and YouTube. You can also visit us at patreon.com slash astonishinglegends, where patrons have access to additional bonus content, including the Patreon-exclusive show, Astonishing Junk Drawer, which is available every week the main show is not. No part of this show may be reproduced anywhere without permission. Copyright Astonishing Legends Productions. Good night. <laughs>